Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with your laser. I told you you couldn't get through. Well, then maybe it's time for a smoke. Mullets and Memories, a MacGyver podcast about MacGyver. Season 6. Greg, what? The cops are here. What do you mean? We're gonna get down. What are you talking about? Do you hear them? No, I don't hear anything. They're coming, Greg. (laughs) Why are they coming for us, Gregory? I have no idea where this is going. I don't know what's happening right now. Man, I have no idea why we did that. <laughs> Can you, you have, tell? Where do you have any are? idea why we did that, Greg? No. It's been I, a long, weird day. I'm it sorry. Is very bizarre. <laughs> Welcome to Mullets and Memories, everybody. I'm your host, Dave Champa. I'm your other host, Greg Klein. This is Mullets and Memories, episode 121. And today, Greg and I will be discussing MacGyver season six, episode 17, Blind Faith. Blind Faith. An episode that is shining bright. Like the light at the end of a tunnel? <laughs> yeah. Either too bright or not bright enough. Or not bright enough. That's for you guys to decide. <laughs> are we too bright or are we not bright enough? <laughs> I'm going to go with the latter. <laughs> that we're just not bright enough. We're not bright enough. <laughs> All right. I'll take on that. <laughs> you guys over there at Mullets and Memories are just not bright enough. That's, um, I think that sums up 16 years of our friendship. That's right. <laughs> Everyone's just like, guys, you have so much potential, but you're just... You two just aren't bright enough. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, you know what? You know, I think it's that's... one of those weird situations where two bright individuals get together and actually become dimmer. It's like that scene in Billy Madison. Like, everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to you. <laughs> I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so a few little things before we jump into this episode. Uh, the first thing is, is um, so I had to put out another poll for where Greg and I are going next because um, I was still up in the air and I think you were too. I think you were leaning more towards the Airwolf side. I Mm. was leaning more Quantum Leap. So what I did was on the Twitter poll, it came out, I don't know if it was close, but it came out that the first, the top two were Quantum Leap and Airwolf. (laughs) So I was like, I still don't know what to do and I don't think I put a poll up on Instagram. So Mm. I put a poll up on Instagram last week. I'm like, all right, I'm going to let them decide where we're going to go with it. Do we want Airwolf or do we want Quantum Leap? Mm. Quantum Leap got 50% of the vote, Ah, as did Airwolf, <laughs> so I still don't know where we're going to go. I, I want to watch a movie or a TV show called Quantum Wolf. Quantum, oh my god. Wouldn't that be amazing? Air Leap. Air Leap. Quantum Wolf. <laughs> Quantum Wolf would be great. I know, it wouldn't make any sense. It would just be about a wolf jumping through time periods. <laughs> yeah, into like different forests. They're like no That's word. That's all it is for 48 minutes. <laughs> just wolves jumping to, from forest to forest through in different time Portals, periods. yeah. Experiencing different ecosystems. Oh my god, that would be amazing. That would, wouldn't it? So yeah, so social media land has left us in the lurch. We don't know where we're going. Thanks a lot, we internet. Fifty-fifty on Airwolf and Quantum Leap. <laughs> so we're still undecided as to where we're going to go, and I don't know what we're going to do yet. So, but I don't... that that in a way is is freeing. 
So we can we can deliberate right up until the last episode of Mullets and Memories and still not where, know where we're going next. I might take the poll to Facebook again and just I haven't done that, so I might take it to Facebook and see. I don't want Facebook to be the tiebreaker. <laughs> it might have to be. Ugh. It may have to be. When Kristen and I were doing our other podcast, I had to bring our poll to Facebook to break the tie before Ugh. where we're going to go next. So, Facebook. and they did it not very well because it was still really too close to call. But anyway, that's uh, that's where we're at. Fifty fifty. Quantum Wolf. <laughs> I want to do Quantum Wolf. There it is. So done. Um, <laughs> any other uh, any other housekeeping, Greg? That we need. I don't to know get, about get, housekeeping, get... but I've been housing some uh, prune juice. Can you guys hear that? That's not Greg's stomach. That's the full. 32 fluid ounces of prune juice that Greg bought me that <laughs> so has just been sitting in I, front of I me. I bought David one and I bought myself one uh, because, you know, it, it helps. <laughs> and I've, I've drank uh, more than uh, probably about three quarters of mine um, in the past two hours. Yeah. And uh, we're going to see if I can make it through. I this think you'll episode. make it through the next one, the first one. But we'll see if you get you get anywhere close to the second episode. I don't know about that. Uh, all right, Greg, are you ready to jump into this? I'm ready to right, jump right it. in. So, season six, episode seventeen. Here we go. So, the first thing I want to say is that this episode was, and I, I've said this a bunch of times over the series. This episode was written specifically because Dana Elkar had been diagnosed with glaucoma earlier in the season, and so they wrote this into the show that. Pete Thornton mm-hmm. is also going to be suffering from the same illness. I think it's great, and I thought it was a great. It was a great, um, a great way to do it. It didn't take him completely out of the mix. I know his role gets reduced. He's only in the next probably like five or six more episodes mm-hmm. between the end of the series. Because what are we at now? Eighteen episodes before the end. <sighs> so close. Um, I, we are so close. We are so close. We're less than a season away. Yeah. From from finishing this series. Still out. nine freaking weeks. It's gonna be amazing. Ugh. So you saying we should up this to five times a week? Yeah, you got it. I just want it to be <laughs> Still over. Monday with. through Friday. <laughs> so close. We'll be done in what two weeks? And we'll be absolutely dead. Um. All right. So here we go. So what you heard in that opening was these police cars and they were driving to the scene of a murder. I have to say, this one police car was just bombing through the city streets oh, yeah. wherever they were, doing like fishtails and stuff. It was pretty great. Yeah. So these guys, these cops are, are going to the scene of a murder. There's a man who's been killed at a train station, and they're going there. Uh, and there's a woman, and I love this because this woman's like hysterical, and the cop stops and asks the woman... Have you seen? Did you see the men that did this? And she's like, "Well, yes, I did see them. Okay, well, what did they look like? Well, they were they were Latin men, you know. And okay, well, were they? Dr- well, you know, they were nice. They were dressed nice. They yeah, had suits and ties. And the way she like shifted her tone, it was very weird. Like <clears throat> they were like they were Latin. They were Latin men. It's like how did she know they were Latin? I know. I, know. I, I have no idea. But then she's like, when the cop was like, "Well, did you see what they were wearing?" The woman like changes her tone. She's like, "Well, I don't know. You know, they were like nicely dressed. They were nice looking men." And mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, "Oh my, what really? Weird." Did you see? Yeah. So she's like, "Yeah." Did you see the men? And we cut to Pete, which I thought was interesting. The cop says, "Did you see the men?" And we cut to Pete, who's just like kind of like pacing mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And I'm like, "Well, clearly Pete didn't see that." But yeah. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and like, go- knowing what this episode was about going into it, you saw all these clues, like these- yeah red flags up front so absolutely that was fun so pete is watching this whole thing and we see a guy kind of like come up behind him his name is nelson richardson what and his name is nelson richardson why i don't know that's what the care that's what they wrote him into the they script? wrote him in as nelson richardson but they call him richardson they don't actually use his first name only like once or twice so he'll heretofore be referred to as 
Richardson. Okay. So Richardson like comes up behind Pete very quickly and like just sort of he, as Gives he's him a goose on the butt. Oh, what is Nelson Richardson? Indeed. You come back here right now, Nelson Richardson. I got Nelsoned. <laughs> so so Richardson comes up and he like as he's walking by, he whispers very quickly and keeps walking and just says to Pete, "It's off." And just keeps going, gets in a cab and drives away. Mm. And we're just Oh, but that cab like floors it. Oh, he like, peels yeah. out and drives away and Peach just like Huh? Who's that? Okay, I don't understand. So we cut back to the Phoenix Foundation, and MacGyver walks into Pete's office. But I have to ask, though, what building is that? I didn't catch it. I did the word it said w- Phoenix Foundation on the front, but I've never seen this Phoenix Foundation building didn't before. Look like Pete's office. Didn't we've look seen, like anything. We've seen Pete's office because it's got like the glass door that goes out into the main right. office, and you know, his... but just the front of the building too is in a completely different building, as far as I could tell. I didn't recognize it. That's no, okay. <laughs> I have no idea. So MacGyver goes in. He's he drops off these composite sketches of the killers. He's gonna he gives it to Pete, and as they're talking, like Pete uh, MacGyver notices that Pete is um, he's having a lot of trouble seeing things. He's got his you know he can't he's fiddling with his coffee cup to try to get mm-hmm. a handle on it. The phone rings for for a call to come through, and and he kind of he hits the wrong button like two or three times. He can't quite get the call to connect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, MacGyver, as you can see him, he's storing this all up in his head. Like he's just saving it for, for some points, like mm-hmm. observing yeah. to see what he's going. And I'm just like, why is Pete being so weird? Cause he does it again. Why is Pete being so weird mm-hmm. about not telling MacGyver about what's really going on? I don't know. They're best friends. Yeah. And why is he not telling him about this? You know, cause Mac clearly knows something is wrong. Yeah. So we meet, Paul Stams. Paul of, Stams. He's from the DXS, Pete's old stomping grounds. Remember, that's where MacGyver used to work. Maga- that's right. MacGyver came from the DXS. Which stands for uh, Department, Department of, of External, External Services. Services. <laughs> was that what it was? Yes, as we it say was. it together, like a bunch of tools. The Department of External Services, the DXS, yes. So, so this is the part of the episode that I, I struggled with more than anything else. It just, this whole scene was far too expository for me. Like they really just like point by point talked about exactly what was happening. It was just a it was mm. a ping pong between Pete and and Stams. Stams. So uh, I'm gonna try to go through this as quickly as possible. And stop me if I miss any information, Greg. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right, here we go. Okay. So Paul Stams is complaining about the foundation because they're not keeping. DXS informed on security procedures for a woman named Samantha Laura. Now, Samantha is mm. the daughter of the former president of San Pablo, who apparently was assassinated by a death squad. Perfect. Samantha is going to assume the throne in an election. She's supposedly she's next in the running. She's going to be elected the president of San Pablo to take her father's take her father's throne, so to speak, mm. and be the next president. However, they're going there's there's also these attempts happening with Samantha that they're going to try to off Samantha before she can get elected. Okay. Um Pete says that since the the DXS refused to keep Samantha safe or safeguard her that Pete arranged for the Phoenix Foundation to keep her safe. Fair enough. That's a good trade. So Stams he really kind of like not so subtly throws it out that Pete at one point 20 years ago had a relationship with Samantha and Pete's like, yep, I was in the middle of a divorce. Um, she mm-hmm. was there to comfort me. We had a pretty quick affair, mm-hmm. but that is definitely not influencing my decision to safeguard her. 
And right. like he really just like he threw it back. Like it he was, was like, great. He's no, like, no, like absolutely not. Pete really stood up for himself and explained the whole situation. Yet yeah, there might be an apparent conflict of interest, but uh there is isn't. But it was and this is why. Twenty years ago. It was twenty years ago. Seriously. Mr. Stams. This guy. You knew your fake name. And so Apparently, the dead guy at the train station was delivering a videotape, and on this videotape was footage of these death squads killing innocent civilians. That's no fun. That's not good. No, it's definitely not. That is not good, David. It's definitely not good. And so the foundation needs the tape to air it at the 6 o'clock news. They're going to deliver this to Jericho Broadcasting. Nice Uh throwback. I know. How they're not closed. I was just going to say that. (laughs) I have no idea. So if we remember back to uh, the Jericho games a couple episodes ago. Right. Um, where Mr. Jericho was killed by his wife. Yes. Ellen. Um, Ellen, right. No, was it Ellen? I guess so. Might have been. Yeah, I think it was Ellen. I don't Ellen. remember. It, didn't, it doesn't matter. Who blamed her entire failed ex- relationships on MacGyver from when they were 18. <laughs> Breaking up with MacGyver in high school. Right. So, <laughs> anywho, the Jericho Broadcasting Company is still in business, which I guess makes sense. Yeah, I suppose they carry on business as right. usual. Pretty much, yeah. because whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. So they want this tape to get to the Jer- to Jericho Broadcasting by 6 o'clock before the evening news, because what this is essentially going to do is it's going to expose Samantha's political rivals in the election, basically paving the way for Samantha to be elected the next president of San Pablo. Yeah, great. Perfect. That makes complete sense. So this dead guy, he had the tape, and he was working with Richardson. And so Richardson was supposed was the handoff. So he sh- this dead guy was going to hand the tape to Richardson, mm-hmm. and Richardson was supposed to hand the tape to Pete. Right. But it didn't go off like that because that's why he says when he walks by Pete, Richardson says it's off, and he gets in the cab and drives mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of he just couldn't risk turning it over to Pete like in that moment because there was just a lot going on. So MacGyver at this point asks Stams like, "How did the um?" How the killers managed to learn about the drop off? And Stams is like, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm like, so my note here was like, oh please, Stams is clearly involved in this. Yeah, like within seconds, I'm like, oh my god, oh, really? Oh, just the way he was dressed, like, like he it looked, he didn't, he just looked like a bad guy. Yeah, kind of he a did. kind of a turd. He did. He was like, I, 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 I Stams, man, Stams. I, I have no idea how they knew about that drop off. Blah, blah blah blah. I didn't have anything to do with this. <laughs> right. So. Samantha is apparently the only one who knows how to contact Richardson, and because of that, the foundation is going to put her in a safe house and keep her away from any sort of bad juju <laughs> that should sure. be coming her way. I gotta say, when we get to it, I love this safe safe house. I loved it. It was great. I thought it was ridiculous. It was great. We're gonna get there in a minute. So... Stams apologizes for insinuating that Pete was less than professional with his affair, and then he just kind of like storms out and leaves, mm-hmm. and Pete's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Okay, fine. So, yeah, I just thought that the whole scene back and forth was like blatantly expository, like too much so. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just was just like, I, I'm all for expo- exposition, but like, but I David, don't like- we only have 48 minutes to get this across to everybody, because the viewing public is not very smart. Maybe it was just the mood I was in this morning when I watched it, but I just felt like- I don't know. It was. Just, it yeah. just felt too blatantly expository at the moment that I watched it. I don't know. Fair enough. Um, so we get to the docks, and they're picking. They're Pete and MacGyver picking up Samantha. Get to the docks, and apparently Samantha's being smuggled into the company among the crew of a freighter. Is that that's what it looked like? Yeah. So the, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Pete's like, there she is. Okay. So first off, they they show up in a taxi cab that MacGyver's driving. Liberty so, Liberty Taxi. Yeah, which must be a front. I mean, it must be a fake wasn't taxi that company. Dalton's taxi company? I no, I don't think did, so. Was it Dalton Taxi or something? I don't, I Whatever. Think, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I just, like, I just miss Jack. That's I why. Know. I, <laughs> well, but MacGyver's driving, but he drives. I wrote he drives like an like a madman. 
snowcat style. Oh my god, he absolutely does. He was driving so fast. No oh, need. Yeah. No, he he knew where he needed to but go. But Pete's in the back seat wearing his like uh, what, what kind of cap was that? I like to refer to it as a jaunty cap. A ja- because I owned one at one point. I don't okay. know what it's actually referred to as, but okay. I always like to call it a jaunty cap. Okay. <laughs> so, now, <laughs> in, the, in the cab, MacGyver once again asks Pete, like, what's going on with your eyes? Like, what's happening? And Pete brushes it off once again. He's like, oh, it's nothing. It's fine. I'm, it's just maybe I'm tired. Whatever. It's nothing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So Samantha gets in the car, and she and Pete, like, they hug, and they have this quick reunion. And Pete says to Samantha, like, listen, we need you to call Richardson and leave him a message because we need to arrange this drop off. Like, we need this tape before six o'clock because we need to get it to Jericho to air this on the evening news. Mm-hmm. So then they get to the safe house and where Samantha makes <sighs> she makes the phone call. Now, Greg, I'm going to let you take over for a minute because tell, tell us about the safe house. Well, first off, the safe house looks like it's been abandoned. And it's like <laughs> it's obviously a house that already in 19, what is it, 1991? This was midnight, yeah, early 1991. Yeah, yeah. Our early 1991 is already incredibly dated because it was probably made in the 60s, this house. It was awesome. It had wood paneling on the right, inside. Right, right, it right. It had the kind of Brady Bunch style roof. Yeah. Um, like a carport. Yeah. This weird, it was just weird. It was like br- <laughs> sort of brick. It was all, it was just bizarre. I loved it. And it looked like the, the, uh, the, the, uh, whole yard was mostly crabgrass. Yeah. It was all burnt and like prickly looking. It was looking. absolutely burnt. I out. thought yeah, it was yeah, yeah. absolutely fantastic. And like, it was just, I, I could totally see that being a safe house. Oh, absolutely. Just like ramshackle, just <laughs> crummy looking, shitty old house. Oh, it was it was terrible. It's t- but I kind of wanted it to be like super fancy on the inside, like look yeah. like garbage on the outside, but be like s- <laughs> right. all souped up because right. it's the Phoenix Foundation. Right. It should have been. It should have been nicer than it was. Like but James it, Bond. No, it was just this terrible, rundown, old, crummy house. But really cozy. <laughs> yeah, it did, and we see that a little bit later when when, when cuddle up with a mug of hot cocoa in front of the fireplace, a little hot chalky in the fireplace. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, so she tells Richardson, or she tells, Pete tells Samantha to call Richardson, like, leave this message, because they need to arrange this drop-off. So they go to the safe house, Samantha makes the call. So we're at the safe house, and Pete goes to the kitchen to get some juice, mm-hmm. and he, before he even gets there, like, he stumbles into a chair, yeah. and, like, almost falls over, and Max just like, okay, something is clearly going on here. So he follows him into the kitchen, and Pete opens up the fridge, and he's, like, looking around, he pulls out a juice container, he looks at the container... And he starts pouring, and Max like, "Hey Pete, what's going on? What? Nothing, like, well, nothing. What are you talking about? Just getting some just, apple juice. Getting some apple juice because this, you know, it's clearly it's Samantha's favorite is the apple juice. And Pete's like, Max like, that's um, that's orange juice, Pete. Huh. And he goes, oh, that's an honest mistake. And he puts it in. He slides out the same exact container. They're like identical containers, the apple juice and the orange juice. And Max like, Pete, tell me what's like, what's what's going on, Pete? And uh, so Pete finally admits to MacGyver. He's like, listen. It's it's my eyes. He's like, uh, he's like, I, I, I have glaucoma, and Max like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, is, is there a cure? Like, can we can we fix this? Is this in? And Pete's like, well, yeah. And he's mm-hmm. like, in my case, it's actually really bad. He's like, I have advanced nerve damage, like mm-hmm. very advanced. He's like, I, nerve I, damaged. I waited too long to get it checked out. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, it's he's like, and so Max like, well, what is it like? What does it feel like? And he's like, he says it's a little bit like looking down a tunnel with very little light at the end. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have a lot of trouble with either too much or too little light, like, anywhere. He's like, that's kind of how it feels. And P- Max like, well, why did, you, why did you wait so long to get this checked out? And basically, Pete's just like, I was too stubborn. 
Mm-hmm. He was like, I didn't want to admit that there was anything wrong with me, and I didn't want to admit that there was a problem with my eyes. And now at this point, he's like, it's gonna be, it's probably gonna be too late. And Max is like, well, is there like treatment or a surgery that we can do? Yeah, Pete's like, yeah, there, yeah. there is. He's like, the, the only treatment and surgery now. He's like, it might work, but it also could permanently blind me. Right. So he's Pete's in a stuck in a in a tough place. Yeah, and it's yeah. this actually. So my dad had glaucoma. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. I remember. It was the same sort of thing. He he talked about how it was kind of like tunnel vision. Like your peripheral vision gets worse and worse and worse. Right. Um, and like certain like light conditions just wouldn't work. Even like he couldn't see when it was too bright. Couldn't see when it was not bright enough. It was just like this awkward in the middle ground. It's right. Just like, yeah, it kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, he sur- did fine with it for a long time. He had eye drops. He caught it very early. So he yeah. just, you know, it just progressively So he was got able worse. to function with it for yeah. lo- a longer amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And treat it. Yeah. 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 Um, so he had glaucoma for, I don't know, 20 years. Oh, okay. Something like that. Uh, well before I was born. So, okay. and I just always remember the eye drops. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember. So Dana Elkhart at this point, so this is 91. Dana Elkhart passed away in 2005. So if he got diagnosed okay. with glaucoma, maybe in like 1990. Mm-hmm. So he lived 15 years post. I think he, by the time this was over, he was completely blind. Yeah, I think okay. I could be wrong, yeah. but I mean he, you know, he lived for 15 years after MacGyver went off the 14 years after MacGyver went off the air. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Pete basically says MacGyver, listen, I need you to, I really do need you to stay on this case with me because I need you to protect Samantha because I, I can't anymore. Yeah, and MacGyver, of course, like he does the bro, th- yeah, he does do the it. bro thing. He's like, of course, I'm going to do it. That's what we're that's what fr- we're friends. Like mm-hmm. we're going to do that. And so Pete walks away, and we and I'm looking at myself, and I'm like, like, oh my god, Mac- holy shit, MacGyver, he's having an emotional breakdown. I know. In the he's like, <sighs> eyes are welled Pete. up. He's got his hand over his mouth, and I'm like, oh man, these two are the greatest bromance in, in the they're hit. the like, best. And now MacGyver's crying, and I'm like, they're just. They're the one that like they must have been the leading the path so for like, bromances in the eighties and nineties. Like I was telling you earlier, the last time we saw MacGyver really have such an emotional connection was when Booker got freaking Colombian necktied. Yeah, and that was more of a reaction. I know because he was alone and he was like punching yeah. walls. Yeah, but here MacGyver's like, <sighs> yeah. Actually, no. You know, the other time we saw it was the that when in in the Madonna. Oh yeah, MacGyver realizes that his mother didn't forget him before she died because she said oh, ice. Man. She, she said ice cream, and I'm getting goosebumps just I talking know. about this. Oh MacGyver, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> you know what we're gonna have to do? We're gonna have to put together like a, a clip show or like an actual literal clip show of just these these moments of MacGyver, like <gasps> yes, <gasps> set to the tune of Sarah McLaughlin's "I Will Remember You." <laughs> I will remember We would n- you. never be able to edit <laughs> that together without crying. We wouldn't be able, no, we just wouldn't finish it. It's like we, we wanted to let it show everybody, but we just couldn't finish it. <laughs> we couldn't it. get through it. <laughs> we, couldn't put, we couldn't even put the first scene together. Besides, it was only three clips and it was going to be like 15 seconds long. <laughs> I know. But we couldn't, we couldn't even watch them. Maybe if we could pull it, maybe we'll put it up. Maybe we'll do an Instagram, like a little Instagram video of those moments of MacGyver just sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> What's wrong with us? So, <sighs> so sad. So, so sad. So Richardson calls back. Richardson. And gets on the phone with Samantha. They've arranged a meeting at the train station. So Richardson wants to, whoever the courier is going to be to make the drop. Courier. Is going to be at this meeting. And so, according to Samantha, whoever does the pickup has to wear a dove pin that was given to Samantha by Richardson. Mm-hmm. And so MacGyver's just like, all right, I'll take it. So he takes the dove pin and he puts it on his, he puts it on his jacket and he heads out to the train station. Unaware that 
the two killers from the beginning, Cardoza and Roma, are sitting outside the safe house. <laughs> How they found the safe house, we never find out. But there they are, sitting mm. outside the safe house, <laughs> watching everything go down. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. So, poof. so, of course, they follow MacGyver. Because why wouldn't you? In his taxi. He's it, driving the taxi he's the driving whole episode. driving the Liberty taxi. Tearing around. Where's the Nomad? Where's your pickup truck? Where's the Wrangler? It doesn't matter. You've had three other cars. Where's Jack Dalton and his... T- oh, no. The, his taxi got blown up. Oh, that's right. Oh. It got blown up and then crushed by Murdoch. Um, what a jerk. So, basically, the plan is, is that they assume that wherever that MacGyver's going, that's going to lead him right to the videotape. Mm. They can take the tape, kill the guys. Yeah, sure. Done. Makes sense. So we cut to commercial. We come back at the train station, and Mac is like standing up um, above the train station, just like waiting. And we see, we see this figure come out from around the corner. But MacGyver was given like a little pendant. The dove pin. The dove pin, yeah. right? Yeah. You mentioned that? I did. Wow. How did that just go right it's in the, the prune juice? Oh, my God. I think I am. I'm preoccupied <laughs> by the prune juice in my belly. So he's wearing the dove pin so that Richardson, when he finds out, he sees it, and he'll know that MacGyver's the drop point. So we see Richardson, he's got a pretty significant limp, and he limps over and he kind of like just stands there for a second, and he looks over at MacGyver, and MacGyver looks back at him, and MacGyver says, I'm, I'm MacGyver, and MacGyver kind of looks at him and says, oh, I'm Richardson. And Mag- Richardson tells MacGyver that he hid the videotape in one of the rail cars that's under maintenance, because okay. it's not going to be moved, he knew where it was, and that's where it is. And so as they go, MacGyver asks Richardson, like, hey, I notice you have a limp. Is everything okay? And he tells this really brutal story about when he was a journalist um, overseas. He was running an editorial on the death squads, Mm -hmm. and apparently the death squads um, captured him after they killed Samantha's father, captured Richardson and a bunch of other journalists, crushed his foot, and then tortured him for weeks before releasing him. And I was just like, yowza. Yikes. Yeah, that was, he was like, bah. Mm. Oh, it was, it was like, I'm used to this. Just terrible. Terrible stuff. So we get a little bit more of Pete now. So we cut away as, as Mac and Richardson are going to find the videotape. We see Pete, and he's trying to, he's trying to get some pills, and he can't quite get mm-hmm. it. So he opens it up, and he takes a pill out, and it slips out of his hand, and he drops the pill. It's a white pill mm-hmm. on a fairly white floor. Mm-hmm. And so Pete's like on the floor and he's crawling around and he's moving his hands and he can't find it. And at one point we see the camera cut to his hand and it's like inches away and he moves it away. And so Samantha, oh, it's like, it's like, cause I've seen this, like, yeah, it's, it, that's exactly what it is. You drop something on a counter and you can't find it. Yeah. Even though, I mean, you might be able to see it under certain circumstances, but then all of a sudden it's gone. Right. And it's, yeah. I, I would imagine in a scenario like this where you've got the, you know, you've probably got the fluorescent lights above, mm-hmm. you've got a white floor and a white pill. Mm-hmm. It feels like it would almost be impossible for him to find that. And just right. doing this, he would have to just feel it right. if he could, you know? Right. Um, so Samantha comes in and he asks, he's like, oh, Peter, I made some, I made some tea for you. And she's like, oh, what are you, what are you doing on the floor? What, what's happening here? And Pete immediately snaps and goes, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm, I'm pretending to be a dog. And she immediately's like, fine, I'll be out here with the, with the, with the tea. And he immediately realizes, he's like, oh, oh, no, Samantha, I'm sorry. Samantha, stop, I'm sorry. But this was like the best acting that we've seen from Dane Alcar, I think. It was so good. Because it was from a real place. I was going to say, because like, it wasn't Pete acting. Like, this right. was Dana Alcar yeah. acting through Pete, like, because right. this is something that he's also struggling you, and you, suffering Oh, and never, that's exactly right. It's Dana Alcar acting through Pete. At this point, yeah. It was probably pretty therapeutic. I would I would imagine that they, yeah. he, he, I feel like, it, I, I didn't do a lot of research, but I'm wondering, like, if he had some hand in the script writing for his character oh, I'm in sure, this episode. I'm sure, 100%, I would say. Because, yeah, it would have felt very therapeutic for, like, for me yeah. just to, like, write my character 
exactly mm-hmm. how I would respond in right. these scenarios. And so I'm wondering if a lot of that was Dana Alcard just like verbal vomit, like on <laughs> on the script. Verbal vomit. Um, Delicious. So Pete goes after her and he's like apologizing. Alphabet soup. <laughs> Dictionary soup. Okay. That was that one fell flat. <laughs> I, I apologize for wasting everyone's time. So Samantha's like, listen, you know, Pete, we used to be able to talk to each other about anything, and I, I'm here for you. You, we, you need to talk to me about your problems, what's going on. And you know, Pete finally admits to her, he's like, listen, I'm just, I'm having a lot of trouble coming to grips with this condition. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not ready to admit that this is a problem. I, I'm struggling with this, and I don't know, I don't really know what to do. And so we cut back to the train yard, and. Richardson realizes now this this seemed arbitrary so Richardson realizes that someone moved the rail car right I was like first off my thought was how are these guys just wandering around a rail yard like who right. let them in there and no one's saying anything right why did Richardson <laughs> assume that that car wouldn't be moved I right. guess he said the worker said it wouldn't be yeah but then like that sounds like a really bad idea because if it is moved it's gone right like Mm. It just seemed very arbitrary for them to hunt for this train because cause we see that Cardoza and Ramos are looking for them. Mm-hmm. So moving the train didn't need to happen because these two guys, this whole scenario that happens here, still could have played out regardless of them searching for this train. But they basically just needed a, a chance for them to have a little s- stress. I don't know. I don't know. It was the just- rail car's gone. Oh, my God. And I'm just going to say, where is this supposed to be taking place? At a, at a, what do you mean? Like physically, like for real, like in California? Yeah, I think they're in California. Because being a railroad nerd, yes, I saw a lot of Canadian National Railroad equipment in there. Well, I said, I think of you every time <laughs> trains show up, and I'm so like, like, you're going to know more than any of us. This yeah. is definitely not in the United States. No. It was no just way. funny. I'm like, hey. So, I'm, a, I'm a dork. So yeah, so Cardoza and Ramos, they come looking for them as, as MacGyver and Richardson are looking for the, the moved rail car. <laughs> they eventually find it. After like probably a couple minutes of searching, mm-hmm. not very long, really. So they see the two guys like kind of like looking around trains for them, and so MacGyver is going to be the one to go in and get the videotape. But before he does, I thought this was awesome. I this loved, was a great MacGyverism. So he grabs a steam hose off the ground mm-hmm. and he rigs it as a muzzle loading gun to blast rocks out of it and create a diversion on the other side of the train yard. Right. So the, there's a steam pipe line, like a, a hose. Yeah. With like a like a pipe on the end of it. I guess probably used for degreasing parts and blasting dirt. Whatever. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, and it was amazing. He made like a potato gun out of it. Yeah. He, he ripped some rags and stuffed them down there and then filled it with rocks. Yeah, just like little pebbles. And I was just like, well, instead of shooting it up in the air to make an, an audio diversion, why not just shoot it at the guys? It would incapacitate them yeah. probably long enough to disarm <laughs> them. Probably would kill them. And I love this because Richardson's like, oh my God, how did you come up with that? And Max's response is, uh, it just sort of made sense. Like, I just yeah. loved that. I'm right. like, that's so MacGyver's answer. Just yeah. like, eh, it just He's made like, no, sense in the moment. Yeah. No, no, shoot this. Give me 30 seconds and then shoot it in the air. Then I'm going to run into the, the car and I'm going to get the videotape. Yeah. And that's exactly what Richardson does. He blasts this, this gun up into the air and you see all the rocks come down on the roof at some other point. Mm-hmm. Carlos, Carlos, Cardoza and Ramos like run towards the sound. From oh, there's somebody over here. Eight seconds. And they're like, oh, there's no one there. Yeah. Let's get back to the other. Like, let's get back to the search. Yeah, and again, no, no railroad employees see these chuckleheads running around. Nobody hears this rain of rocks. Right. Like, there's no okay. one. There's no one at this train yard. Nope. Apparently not. So Richardson decides that he's going to try. He's going to try this himself. Ooh. So what? Now, okay. Now, what did he put in 
the steam hose. He did, just he just grab he gra- he did what MacGyver did. He just jammed some wadding down there and poured more rocks. Okay, because I, I or dust or dirt or something. I couldn't yeah. see what it was because I because then he fires it and you don't actually see anything come out of the steam. Yeah, hose. I think he just gr- gathered up whatever okay. he could and then fired it at the guys. Yeah, at the death squad guys. Okay, um, to whatever to dis- disturb them, to incapacitate them, distract right. them, whatever. So before he fires the before he fires this at them, he picks up a rectangular piece of pavement, not un- not dissimilar to a VHS tape. Mm-hmm, he puts it under his arm, fires the gun, uh, fires the steam hose at them, gets their attention, and he- Richardson runs in the opposite direction of mm-hmm. the rail car, drawing them away from MacGyver. It's not very long before Cardoza and uh, Roma Ramos <laughs> spot him, mm-hmm. put two bullets in his back, mm-hmm. kill him. Not realize, realizing now that the VHS tape is just a rock, right? And now they're kind of back to square one. I'm, I'm just saying though, they they fire, they shot him twice in the back, and yep. he he first shot he ran a little bit more, second shot he fell. Yep. And they walked up to him and shot him a third time. Oh my gosh, that's right. So three gunshots in the middle of this rail yard, which I'm also going to say this isn't just like a freight yard. This is like at the train station, right? And still. Not one person has come to check on three gunshots and two fairly large blasts from a steam hose. <laughs> I know. No one has come and to check on them. And two random dudes wandering around in suits. And MacGyver is left to stand in the rail car and just watch Richardson get blown away. Yeah. Because <laughs> he obviously can't give himself away because MacGyver now has the actual tape. Right. And that's when we cut to commercial. Yeah. And we come back and we're at Jericho Broadcasting and MacGyver has successfully made the handoff he's mm-hmm. given the tape to broad to, to jericho and he calls to tell pete that they've got the tape and they're going to get ready to air it so you know he hangs up and pete tells samantha this and they they kind of give they have a they have a moment of hugging and they celebrate for a second and they and i very wrote, awkwardly like withdraw from the mm-hmm. hug i i wrote in this moment also that i wanted to hug pete I did. I just wanted to hug Pete and his big cuddly body. And so Pete's only response after they like awkwardly pull away from each other was, well, how about I build a fire? I'm like, that's probably not the best idea, Pete, for you right. to build a fire right now. Yeah, let's talk about your <laughs> let's talk about your eyes, Pete. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what Samantha's like. She really wants him to talk about like how he's feeling. And Pete's like and this this part actually got me. I don't know why, <laughs> but this part Pete was just like, you know, I, I used to remember like you and I would sometimes sit sit outside and we'd just spend the whole morning and she was like, One morning I remember we sat out there and we just looked at a rainbow and he's like but I can't do that with you anymore. Right. And I'm like, oh, God. The way, yeah, that's the oh, way he said it. Like, God. looked at a rainbow all morning. Looked at it. And I was like, ah, <laughs> and does, he even, does he even say, now I can't do that? No, he doesn't. Oh, okay. So he just was, implies it. That yeah. was just your emotions. Oh, my God. That was just your bro emotions building and up, thank David. God no one else was here to watch me because I get, I get wrecked <sighs> with all, this shit. Get all bubbly. Blah, 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 blah. <sighs> so Cardoza and Ramos, we cut to them driving into the Jericho broadcast parking lot, but realize at this point that they're too late. The tape has aired, and Cardoza's like, well, he's like, well, at this point, he's like, the video's out fine he's like but the video's not going to do any good if samantha's dead <laughs> but we go- <laughs> okay and he's like okay i'll go take care of her yeah no 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 no. it's got to look like an accident yeah if she dies if we kill her she'll just become a martyr right exactly so we got to make it look like an accident and i love i love what they think is an accident <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there but yeah that's what i, I was i don't think i wrote it but i was like so that's their 
accident? <laughs> it's like, oh, this is a very convenient okay. accident. Cool. All right, so we cut back to the safe house, and Pete and Samantha are still having this heart-to-heart. And Pete, this is another part where I get I got choked up. So Pete tells Samantha, he's like, listen, my biggest fear is that I will no longer be able to do my job. Yeah, he's like, I'm not... I'll be able to to handle going blind if that's the case. Right. But I don't think I won't be able to handle not being able to work. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, like, wow. And so Samantha kind of sympathizes with him and is like, listen, I kind of felt the same way when, you know, my after my dad was literally assassinated, mm-hmm. I had to choose to run for president and potentially die the same way that my dad did. But she's like, in the end, all I had to do was commit to doing exactly what i knew i needed to do Mm -hmm. and as she was like as a result of that i felt a lot freer about where i was at that point and i liked this because a a common trope i think in shows like this is like after moments like this the other guy's like well yeah okay you know you've convinced me but i like this because pete was just like i'm really not sure that i have your courage right now and it was just a really nice moment to see that pete didn't change his tone yeah he's like i'm not ready you've seen these before like pete Mm. in any other show pete would have been like you know what you're right i shouldn't stop Uh i should stop being a baby but no pete's Uh like i'm not ready to do that yet yeah he's like i i don't know if i could live my life like not doing my job and being completely blind Mm -hmm. like i'm not ready i'm not ready for that yet yeah that That was was just really fucking effective it was oh my gosh that meant a lot that was good to see because yeah it's that's a tough thing to face yeah absolutely so we cut back to jericho broadcasting and macgyver's in the newsroom watching the videotape um you know airing out newsroom he's in the newsroom so MacGyver um, gets on the horn with Pete to to let him know like the tape is now it's I, airing now. I just want to make a point. Like everyone in the uh, in the control room is watching this tape as they broadcast it live. Like no one vetted what was on it, right? And it's all footage of people getting murdered like by the annihilated death squad. by the right. death squad. And everyone everyone in the in the in the control room is just like. Ugh. Hmm. And you can tell Max watching it kind of like, Ugh. Maybe but we like really, this. really disturbed. Like it's hard to watch, but also like everyone's like, Ugh. right, right, God. exactly. So MacGyver is like in, in the middle of telling Pete that Richardson's been killed, and that he knows that MacGyver knows at this point who has leaked their plan, and we see a hand come out and just like cut the phone and the power lines outside the safe house and everything what? goes but, black. But how, how is that a thing? How is the safe house not safe, David? How did these guys find out where the safe house was? I don't know because it's Peter Thornton. And so at this point I was like, I said I was like, oh shit, now it's dark. Pete literally is going to be completely helpless in this scenario. So this is this is where I wrote. Well, so it, it shows that it's dark. You see you, you see them standing there. Maria, right? Pete and Maria. Samantha. Samantha. Where the hell Maria come from? <laughs> Maria was is MacGyver's like Maria, girlfriend, right? Isn't she? What isn't Maria like Otto's granddaughter? <laughs> oh, maybe. From the wall. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, but they're in there. How do you solve a problem like Maria? <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. It's Samantha. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Um. <laughs> wow. Derailed. And then, so like they're standing in the dark, and it's like, like it's <laughs> all I can think of was the movie Pitch Black. <laughs> And I wanted Pete's eyes start glowing. I wanted Pete to be like Vin Diesel in the dark. Like (laughs) all the lights go out, and Pete's like, I can see perfectly. And all you hear is this, like, I know. And And then Pete goes around and like destroys everybody, but he can only function in like, you know, like Twilight. Right. It could be the new sequel, Pete Black. (laughs) Pete Black. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Oh. So yeah, so Pete literally can't see. He sends Samantha out to the kitchen, but whoever this guy was that cut the power lines is in the kitchen, captures Samantha. Pete legit can't do anything mm-hmm. because it's so dark in the house and mm-hmm. he's tripping and falling and the intruder whoever this guy is tells samantha because at this point pete has tripped and he's fallen over the table and he's like now he's just like he's laying across the table which is this whole thing was is heartbreaking because i know that if pete was in his element he'd be he'd go he'd have fisticuffs oh he would have cold cocked him because remember that one fight with the the the, uh, in the rail in the rail in the rail yard and i think it was the same rail yard probably was where pete like comes out wheeling the guy out in a cart because he beat him up yeah and he's all like bloody and punched up yes i think it was awesome would have been pete Pete in his heyday oh but it's it was yeah such a juxtaposition though now watching pete like just laying over a kitchen table because he can't do anything. And so this intruder, he's holding Samantha hostage and he tells her, like, you better stop struggling and make it easy for yourself. And Pete's like, I recognize that voice. And the guy and this uh, the guy has some words with Pete. Yeah. And then pistol whips him and knocks him unconscious. Say, Sorry, Pete. No hard feelings. And then bam, knocks bam. him unconscious. Yeah. And so MacGyver gets there a short time later and Pete is tied up on the floor. Gagged and everything. I know. Uh, and that's, that's the big thing. <laughs> so Pete's gagged on the floor once again. Ga- so this is this is I, for all the hardships that Pete is going through right now. I can't help but say, <laughs> Pete gets bound and gagged a lot. I just wrote in my note, and Pete is tied up again. <laughs> I think it'd be really funny if he had that leather mask on. Mm! Pete, where'd you get that? How could that guy have had this mask? <sighs> he found it in the drawer. I keep it in the drawer in the safe house. You keep it in the safe house? Oh, no, I have plenty, actually. it's just This is just one of many that I have all over the city. <laughs> in fact, like the one that Dr. Zito found was Pete's. It just happened to be in that, <laughs> that old asylum. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like a poor, squirrel. Poor Pete. And he squirrels away. <laughs> leather mask. In his, man, in his Mac pouch. What? <laughs> Mac, he has one hiding in Mac in his Mac Supial pouch. So disgusting. We're just gonna start throwing back re- references to old episodes. It's so you know what? Another complete tangent. I think we're coming full circle. I'm starting to remember stuff at the beginning of our ex- escapade down I, this MacGyver I road. Too. I am too. Scarily enough. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It's not great. <laughs> um. So Pete tells him after he's untied, uh, that the man who is working against them is none other. None other what than Mr. Stams. Stams. I called it in the first five minutes of the fucking episode. You sure did. And MacGyver's like, yeah, I know. I already figured that out. <laughs> like, that was the sentiment. Max. like, yeah, I know. And Mac- oh. Pete's kind of like, oh, okay. Okay. Because P- that's, what, that's what MacGyver was going to tell Pete on the phone before the power got cut. Max like, yep, no, I, I knew that. <laughs> yep, because yep, that's what happens. So they're like, well, why, why do we suppose that Stams left you alive, Pete? Like, why wouldn't he have just killed you? And <laughs> at the same time, uh, one of the guys, Cardoza, comes in and is like, well, we did it. So we'd have bait to capture MacGyver. Right. Like, why do they need to capture MacGyver? Who cares? Right. Who gives a shit? Oh, well, because, well, no, really, who gives a shit? They got, they've got... They've got S- Maria. They have Sam. Samantha. They have Samantha. Yes. <laughs> so why do they need MacGyver or Pete? Right. There's right. no point. They have exactly who they need. They now. don't. There's, there's no point. They could have. He freaking Stams could have killed Samantha in the kitchen. Yeah. In that moment, and it would have been done. Right. It's not like there's any revenge. There was no like long story of these guys. Like right. Like the Phoenix Foundation burned them how many years ago or whatever. Right. I don't know. 
I have no idea. So we cut back from commercial. MacGyver and Pete have been brought to this airport hangar where uh, Cardoza, Ramos, Samantha, and Stams are getting ready to fly out of the country. No, I just want not make- Samantha. Samantha's gonna Maria. Be dead. Maria. <laughs> Maria. So I this last bit I didn't take any notes. I was I was totally pulled in. Okay. So I didn't take I didn't take one note except for the end. I have a handful that we'll get through, but yeah, um I kind of slowed down during this because I wanted to see where this was going. It's great. So they're in an airport hangar and they're getting ready to get out of the country once you know MacGyver, Pete, and Samantha are dead. And I wrote here, it would have been amazing if the pilot they hired to fly them out of the country ended up being Dalton. I know, right? <laughs> and they had no idea. It's so weird. Well, this is the thing that I'm confused about because they have they have Pete, uh, Samantha, and MacGyver in this airplane hangar. Yeah. And they say, the, aerop- the plane is going to be here shortly, so let's take care of them. Now, whose plane? I want... Right. I think it was the plane to take Samantha out of the country. Yeah, that was that's that what it be, was. That would be what it was, and it was Dalton there. It should. It absolutely has to be Dalton. God, it there. would have been amazing because like J- Jack would have gotten out of the plane and immediately known something was wrong and just yeah. completely played into the whole scenario. And right. it would have been great. And yeah. I miss Jack so much. But he would have had like he'd be like, "Hello, Kimosabe." He'd been some something stupid. He'd have some <laughs> right. crazy borderline offensive character. Absolutely. Yeah, and that would have been perfect for this scene. So here comes part of what they're going to set up for the accident. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, because they're going to be dispatched. Via accident. Yes. Um, and that accident turns out to be a fuel can on top of an oil drum, then lit on fire. Next, Well, next to... F- so, a, f- a fuel can with a rag on it, yep. on top of an oil drum, next to other oil drums, in the middle of an airplane hangar. Yeah. And it's going to look like an accident. Right. Because okay. MacGyver has a business being there. Yes. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I mean, okay, all right. So hold on. Maybe it's maybe it's kind of coming together. A, a foggy, a foggy vision is coming together here. Okay. Maybe they chose to have the accident at the hangar because they knew they would be there anyway, picking up the plane. Okay. Let, all right. We'll let's go, give them some credit. I like that. We'll go with that. So you know, they tie up Pete MacGyver and Stam. Brush that aside. What did I brush aside? My theory. I liked your theory. <sighs> bulldozed it right over went right back to the plot line whatever so it's gonna finish my prune juice stam tells them that he's gonna kill samantha and then blame the foundation for not properly safeguarding her which will then leave stams in the clear to get on the plane and fly out of the country sounds great great awesome he's also apparently going to kill samantha to keep her from destabilizing the whole region that she's going to be in in san pablo Uh um and because apparently apparently if uh, if she's killed, she, she it'll keep her from destabilizing this, and then it'll apparently like plunge San Pablo and the United States into a political disaster if she dies. Okay, uh, sure, political I, was, stuff. I don't understand. Really flimsy. So he he lights this piece of canvas in the gas can on fire and leaves. So the thing starts going up into flames. <laughs> so like, really, uh, I'm just gonna say Pete and MacGyver are tied up back to back. Shocking. And uh, Samantha is just tied up to another chair. None of them are gagged, so they can talk to each other. Right. And they're just and they're left, and all the lights are on, and there's a a little a little can full of kerosene or whatever with a rag on fire, getting bigger. Yeah, getting every bigger. Every second they talk, and I thought that it was, I liked this scene. I liked it from the beginning of it. I liked this hat because MacGyver's kind of looking at it. He's like, hmm, yeah, what am I gonna do here? Yeah, and he's like, Pete, push your back up against mine for leverage, and let's stand up and get over there. And there's like a grinder like on the other side of the hangar, mm-hmm. and they walk over there and they turn it on, 
and they cut their ropes loose. Mm-hmm. So MacGyver gets free. He grabs the burning gas can and runs away with it and throws it in a dumpster. But before he can close it, mm-hmm. it detonates. Yeah. Burning his hands to a bloody pulp. Oh like, my god, it was terrible. Like, wor- like they looked worse than third degree burns. Like so, there's a dumpster in the hangar for whatever reason. I don't know why. And he throws this can, and as he's throwing it in there, that's when it blows up, and it was amazing. Like, and right. he's just like screaming in pain. I'm like, I've never seen this from MacGyver before. He is, I mean, he's clearly in agony. Like, and his hands are all bloody and black, and like, ah, and yeah, he's just screaming. He can't even do anything. He can't even barely stand up because he can't. Oh my god, it was terrifying. And it's like and he gets up and I love and I was I had to chuckle because he has that he has the hair. When he turns around, it's like the wind blown hair. <laughs> like the hair's up over like blast. I'm like, why hasn't his eyebrows got singed? I know, out? yeah, because it was like the explosion blew his hair back. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, and his face is a little blackened, but it's like like a wind tunnel burn. Right. And so Boosh. not not only did the explosion burn his hands to the point where he cannot use them, but it completely blinded Pete. The flash was enough. To completely shut off his sight. Right. Um, now, I, I had a moment like, how how was Mac not even partially blinded? Because remember when he got blown up out of the boat because of Deborah? Yeah. Deborah Deborah. Deborah Deborah. Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't see for weeks or whatever. So do you think his eyes just got stronger? <laughs> you think they're just like calloused? I don't know. I don't. I, don't I think just thought that, it I don't, was weird. I don't believe that's a thing. I think the damage is permanent. So I, from this point, I, I kind of predicted. So I was like, okay, so shit. I was like, Matt can't use his hands. Pete can't see. I was like, huh. This seems a little too good to be. So I, I was like, and I waited for it to happen, and I knew it was coming. So Mac legit cannot close his hands. Like he can't do it. So they're like literally stuck, like misshaping. Oh claws. my god, it was awful. It was terrible, and so. MacGyver tells Samantha to bolt the door shut, so they bolt it shut with a crowbar, and all the, the guys come back because they realize that nothing has detonated. That's what that's what MacGyver is saying. He's like, "We better t- do something quick because when they realize that bomb hasn't or the this whole place hasn't gone up yet, they're going to come back in." Right. So it, it's great because he's like, "We have to do something." And he's like trying to think through this pain and trying to figure. And Pete's like, "I can't see." And Samantha's like, "Tell me what to do." And MacGyver just like, "Ah, yeah, it was amazing." Right. So Samantha like bolts the door shut with a crowbar. And he and Pete, like, so he has Pete, like, put his hands on a cabinet, and then MacGyver puts his shoulder into Pete's back, Uh and just put, the two of them just push the cabinet in front of the door Mm -hmm. to kind of hold them off. So they get to the door, and they can't open it. And they realize, the other guys guys get to the door, and they can't open it. So they kind of disappear for a minute, and they go to the other end of the airfield, and they start rooting through like these like scraps of metal to pull out an I-beam. Perfect. Perfectly placed. Perfectly placed I-beam under these shards of metal. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so this is where this is where the episode went from like zero to sixty for me. So that's probably for you too. Yeah, I, think. I was like, ooh. So MacGyver and Pete, they find an airplane tug cart. Yeah. Like on the other end of the hangar. It's like stuck behind like these just these planes. Yeah. And so he tells Pete, he's like, Pete, this is gonna ha- this is how it's gonna go. Yeah. He's like, I can't drive. Mm-hmm. You can't see. He's like, I'm gonna be your eyes. You're gonna be my hands. He's like, but I. What are you talking about? He's like, this, this, this is how it's gonna work. And so he starts like slowly directing Pete. He's like, all right, you're gonna accelerate slowly, uh-huh. slowly, slowly, slowly. All right, cut the wheel out. No, cut the wheel out. 
And I love that they start fighting. I know. During this, because Pete, at one, because right before he gets going, he crashes into this debris in the middle of the hangar. And like mm-hmm. they start arguing. And MacGyver's like, Pete, you got to listen to me. And I was listening to I, you. You just gave me the wrong order. I did not. And it, MacGyver's like, no, I didn't. You have to listen to me. Right. And it's so, it's true. Like MacGyver's not treating Pete like a baby. Right. He's like, fuck, man, listen. What? <laughs> the one thing I'm thinking about all the way through here is that MacGyver knows enough about airplane tug vehicles yeah. that he can describe to Pete where everything is and how it all works. I love it. He's yeah. like, and pull the lever, and then you got to do this. He's like, pull the lever, pull, two, pull clicks, it up, two clicks down. Like, right. This, this. Yeah. It's like, how many? How often, if you're not in the airline industry, who's going to drive one of those things? Right. Apparently MacGyver. <laughs> MacGyver's got a license for everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He probably built one. So yeah, so he like walks Pete through. He's like, All right, you're gonna turn left here, you're gonna cut it right here. And he's like, All right, Pete, there's a wing. The wing of the plane's coming up. When I tell you to duck, you're gonna duck. All right, duck now. And he ducks under mm-hmm. and he cuts the wheel right and he he gets him there. And it was yeah. amazing. It was just such a great like bromance moment. Like it was fantastic. It was a phenomenal. And like this whole time, like and MacGyver's like in terrible pain with his hands and like Pete can't see and his like the teamwork. Was, and the, the pressure. It was so much fun to it watch. It was really fun to watch. So they get up there to the door. Uh, Cardoza, Ramos, and Stams. They got the. Uh, they have <laughs> that. The, is a great like mariachi band name. Cardoza, Ramos, and Stams. <laughs> so they have the I beam, and they're just slamming <laughs> it. They're <laughs> slamming it into the door, and yeah. it's not. It's just. It's not opening. And so, I love this scene because there's like a power supply on the back of the tug cart. Mm-hmm. So he has so MacGyver has Samantha cut the power from the tug cart and then run the power line all the way around and like put it under the threshold. No, of I'm the not door. familiar. I think these are so they can power the airplanes while they're I, out on the runway. I think so. I'm not 100 percent positive. Yeah. So he has her cut the wires and take the wires from the power supply and put it into the threshold, like under the door, so that the copper is exposed and touching the door. So he was like, so he has Pete like at the right moment. He's like, tell you know, he has Pete like powered up with this like throttle. I know it's it like, like you got to look like, like, like a choke throttle. Right? Like, is that the other thing? Because he knew how, exactly how this whole machine worked. Yeah, and and throughout all 120 episodes so far, he's never driven one. Never seen him drive a tug cart, but awesome. apparently he knows how to do it. So he's like, all right, so Samantha, here's what we're gonna do. When I tell you to do this, because his heart, so Pete has powered up. This, this power supply behind him. He goes, Samantha, when I tell you to do this, I need you to flip the power on and let it loose. Now, like, and so he's yeah. like, he kind of waits and he takes a beat. Because as, as, as they're they're like slamming the I-beam and the door's like, one, two. And MacGyver's yeah. waiting for them to hit again. He's like, and before it hits three, he's like, turn it on. And then they slam the I-beam into the, into the door and makes an electrical connection and they yeah. all get electrocuted. And you see it. There's like a split second where they, they hit the door and all three guys just go, and then they like yeah. collapse to the ground. I, I don't want to test it, but I don't know if that would work. I thought that it wasn't really something that, it just didn't feel it's, like I just don't know. it was going to work. Yeah. But yeah, they all fall down. I mean, maybe a big arc flash and they all would have been blind like and the, Pete. You notice that the I-beam doesn't hit any of them. Like I would expected like one of them to get crushed under the I-beam. <laughs> but no. All right, it falls and breaks their shins or something. Yeah, exactly. Ah! Um, so, yeah, so they disarm them. They hold them. They kind of like hold them prisoner until the police can arrive and Did arrest the police them. arrive? I didn't see any police. At the end, so when we come back from commercial, like we see MacGyver in the ambulance. He's getting his burns treated. Oh. We assume at this point that we, like, somebody's there and they're taking these three guys away. So, yeah, I think, okay, so let's say uh, the three guys are gone. 
And then Pete and Samantha yes. are standing there one-on-one. It's like Casablanca. It really was. That's, I know, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was amazing. It was great. Poor Pete. So Pete makes this decision that he's finally, he's like, you know what? I've made my decision. I'm going to go through with the surgery no matter what the outcome is going to be. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank, I kind of like it's that I want to thank you moment. You kind of help me through that. I want to thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what song is that? I forget. I know that. No, thank you. <laughs> Damn it. Are you talking about crazy. that Dido song? Ma- yeah, maybe. I want to thank you. Maybe. Guys, I'm turning everyone off from this show for I know, like it's terrible. Horrible we're, singing. There's been a lot of singing in this We're episode. going back and forth from <laughs> the, from freaking blah, blah, blah. blah. Yes. <laughs> to the fern and tim. Fern <laughs> I was going to say Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> so Samantha offers and says to, says to Pete, listen, I'll make you a deal. Let's both promise to stay alive. And then we'll meet again. And Pete's like, all right, you got yourself a deal. That's great. And he watches her. He watches her get on the plane and he's waving at her. And we don't see her, but we see her. She goes, hasta la vista. I know, but she, she says, Pete. She's like, hasta la vista, Pete. Or, or, um, what would Pete's name be? I don't remember. Shit. I don't know. But she says it. And I thought it was fantastic. And, yeah. I, and, all, and oh, my God. So. She's waving goodbye, and yeah. this broke my heart because all I could think of was like, I don't know if Pete can see her. I know. I thought the same thing. I'm like, can he see her? Like, did he wait for her? So I'm just thinking maybe this is Pete really coming to grips because he can't see her, but he's going to stay there anyway because he knows she's there. Because he can now he hears her saying goodbye, but I'm like, right. yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, can he see her? So it was like a bittersweet moment. Maybe this is Pete's like coming to grips with what what's going on maybe that was that was the moment a little pd because in the next scene he's back to his all pd self again he is and they had so he and i love this because he and macgyver have a really fun moment so pete gets you know he gets into the ambulance and they start chatting and we, we close out with this so what they say i'm gonna heal okay to ride with you i'd like that so Wanna go bowling? <laughs> oh, it's so nice. Because oh. Matt can't use his hands and Pete can't see. And they're gonna go bowling together with his crippled hands and his broken eyes. <laughs> I wanna see that. I would love to see that. Can you imagine that? So like instead of going back to the hospital, they just they just drop them off at a bowling alley. Pete's like, so you can be, uh, I'll, you know, Mac, you can be my eyes and I'll be your hands. <laughs> well, I mean, that could work. Like, Mac's like, okay, uh, a little to the left, turn, turn right, right. Okay, and now, go, bowl. Yeah. And let's say maybe Pete's a really good bowler and he would just need someone to, like, guide him. I mean, I would imagine Pete's in a bowling league, or he was before the glaucoma. Yeah, maybe. Pete feels, it feels like Pete's, Pete's that kind of a guy. That he'd be in a bowling league? He'd totally be in a bowling league. Yeah, you're right. Um, so that's where we end it. And good God, what a phenomenal episode. I, I mean, I know that we've had a lot of shit in this season, but there have been a lot of gems in six. It's really been for half me. and half. Like, right, you know, just like two different, almost two different seasons here. Absolutely. And I just like, you know, again, I love that they wrote into the, his, the, the real life struggle that Dana Elkar was having with glaucoma, and they fit this beautiful into this episode. Oh, it was just so good. Yeah. So good. And anytime MacGyver can make me cry, it's got mullets all over the place in my book. <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg, where did, you, where did you land on your mullets? Boy. So one mullet for Pete's struggle. Yeah. Because this, it did hit home for me. Because uh, like, seeing what Pete was going through, it was like, 
seeing what my dad had to deal with. Not so much like the build up to it, but like that was like at, you know yeah he just had glaucoma. So yeah, I, I, it made sense. Uh, a mullet for Maria. Oh, you wrote Maria. Too. I did. I wrote Maria under mine too. I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea why. I, I wrote it too, <laughs> and I hadn't seen your notes until. Oh my god! So Samantha, <laughs> Samantha. Oh my god! That's Greg amazing. and Dave are idiots. And then so one mullet for Samantha because I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. And then I gave three mullets for Max burnt hands making make wait Max. Uh, one mullet for Max. Max burnt. How did I write this? I, I'm an idiot. Three mullets. Three for- mullets for Mac burnt hands, causing Pete to be his hands and Max Pete's eyes for them electrifying the door and going bowling. Was I drunk when I wrote that? It wasn't even that late. No, it was like quarter of eleven. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Oh, I wrote it on my phone. That's why. Oh, I was okay. Typing really. Poorly. I know what you meant. You just yeah. You, the whole the that, whole scene at the end, the climax of the of Mac the not being able to use his hands, Pete not being able to use his eyes, and Samantha just being there and just being a good sport, and like the whole teamwork effort at the end for them just to come together and yeah. electrocute and like. Casablanca ending. Yes. Damn it. You I love gave this that episode. Three mullets. I did. So you get it. This is a fiver for you. That's a fiver for me. All right. I love it. That's awesome. So I went. So I give a mullet and a half for Pete revealing his diagnosis to Mac, resulting in Mac's emotional breakdown. Uh, Just the kitchen. Oh, it was so good. Um, I gave a mullet and a half for Pete's hands in Mac's eyes. Absolutely no questions. Um, I gave a mullet for Pete revealing this whole thing to Samantha, and I loved their back and forths. And then I gave Jericho Broadcasting a half a mullet because it was nice to see them actually doing something good mm-hmm. than um, watching their director get brutally murdered in front of everyone. <laughs> right. Fair enough. So I gave it a four and a half, and my only ding was just that weird expository moment at the beginning. It just was just like, it felt, I didn't like it. Yeah. But okay. overall, once that ended and the episode really picked up, I mean, it's still, it's going to be my top tier. Mm. For, uh, for this season no okay. no question so yeah four and a half mullets for me uh a- absolutely <sighs> i don't know if there's anything else that really can be said about this episode and that like i would highly recommend that people can go out and watch this episode it's it was a good one really really it was good. a good in um greg have you ever been caught in a bear trap only once yeah only once how did that happen um i was uh walking through the woods yeah and i stepped in a bear trap oh okay Oh, and that's it. That's it. That's the story. Okay. Um, did you were you aware that MacGyver also gets caught in a bear trap? Mm, does he? Yeah, that's the next episode. I really want to see that. Season six, episode eighteen: Faith, Hope, and Charity. After he steps into a bear trap, MacGyver is rescued by two old ladies who own a nearby inn. While on the mend, he suspects another boarder may have been murdered by the mob. <laughs> We're so, going back into weird territory. Sounds like already, a weird one. I can already freaking tell. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for our uh, our little potty this week. Um, pot potty podcast this week. <laughs> God Almighty! <laughs> if you like what you heard and you want to hear more of this, uh, let us know on Facebook at Champion Climb Blow Your Mind. You can find us on Twitter at Blow Your Mind fourteen. You can email us. Let us blow your mind at gmail You can find us on Instagram at Champion Climb. You can also find us on our website. JampaKlein.com, where not only can you find the episodes of Mullets and Memories, but you can also find all of our episodes of our flagship series, Champa and Klein Blow Your Mind, as well as all 24 hours of our 24-hour podcast, The 1440. So please be sure and check those out. You can also leave us an iTunes review as we get here uh, to the end of the series. 
we would actually like to 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 roll out the roll out the end with uh with some new listeners it'd be really fun to to for everyone to join in with us um so please consider leaving us an itunes review are you laughing at my burp yes <laughs> I am. I hope you all heard that. You just, you know, just barreled through it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So that's going to do it. For Mullins and Memories this week, I'm Dave Champa. I'm Greg Klein. Have a fantastic week, guys. Well, then maybe it's time for a smoke.